For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jessica McCoppin, and I am honored and humbled to be serving as your lay preacher today. Not too long ago, Reverend Ken reached out to the worship leaders with an idea of inviting members of that team to share a full-length message during Sunday service. And I thought, what a wonderful idea that I could try out one day, way, way, way down the line. However, when I read the title of this fall's message series, Failures, Frustrations, and Fresh Starts, my heart skipped a beat. And I got that feeling in my stomach that told me this has you written all over it. So go for it. So today I'm here feeling both like nothing could really prepare me for this, except for maybe divinity school, pastoral credentials, and years of experience, (laughs) and also totally willing to accept the fear and the grace of this moment. So Reverend Ken and Reverend Lee, thank you for this opportunity. I experienced some trauma pretty early on in my childhood. And that led me into working with mental health professionals. Part of determining what what kind of care I needed included having me go through a number of assessments, one of which was an IQ test. The doctors and clinicians arrived at one distinct conclusion. They labeled me as having above-average intelligence. Once the results of the IQ and aptitude tests were revealed, the temperature in that room changed, and I felt a distinct shift in the way that people related to me. But my abilities weren't really a secret or a surprise to my family or to me. I had started reading and writing and discovering math before I even started attending school. In my house, it was just a part of the package. It was something that was acknowledged and encouraged. So yes, I was smart, but I was also super opinionated and got in trouble a lot for staying up way past my bedtime, and I loved swimming and spending time in the kitchen with my mom. I was also scared and confused and desperately needed help figuring out what had happened to me. But this IQ thing became a focus for quite some time and for quite a few people. And these were people who had promised to help me I thought would be able to help, but they couldn't handle that I was both broken and brilliant. They couldn't attend to paradox. They seemed focused on one label, and I felt felt forced to as well. So as a result, I felt I had to choose between broken or brilliant, hurt or capable. I made the choice of what I felt was more acceptable, the one I felt more comfortable with, and so I moved forward wearing my label, gifted. I wore it as a mandate. You are smart, period. All of those commas disappeared and all of the ands left. This label preceded me and it directed my paths. It also really limited me. It became rigid surrounding it. And anything that threatened this label was abolished. During my first collegiate experience, I found myself pretty much paralyzed by this label. 
At that point, I was the youngest person to have been accepted to the university. So off I went to college, not even old enough to drive, and completely terrified. Terrified that I might not be good enough and that everybody would be watching. So if I scored less than an A on my first few tests or assignments, I would drop the class. If I showed up late to class, I would drop the class. If I wasn't at the head of the class, I just didn't go to class. Can you see a pattern developing? It didn't go very well. I would obsess and ruminate on mistakes. I carried around impossible standards, and when I couldn't meet them, I felt like a complete failure. I became physically sick and frustrated and stuck. So as you might have guessed by now, I have a perfectionist streak running through me. And I currently consider myself a recovering perfectionist, with some good days and others that are really a struggle. And this, this area that we're talking about, my intelligence, it wasn't the only area in my life that I became stuck in one gear. At various points, I've felt that I've had to choose between being righteous or a sinner. As a biracial woman, I have been told either explicitly or more subtly that I am too white or that I am too black. I have had my gender expression challenged as either too feminine or not feminine enough. I have at times felt pushed to choose whether I was the one who could provide help or the one who needed help. And most often, when I felt I had to choose one, I chose out of convenience or an anticipated payoff or fear. Maybe you've experienced this somewhere in your life. Maybe you've gotten a message that it would be better for everybody if you would just banish some part of you. How often do we do this to ourselves and the people in our lives? As parents, how often do you feel compelled to be good cop or bad cop? As employees, how often do we feel forced to choose between our own well-being or job security? Do you ever feel like the media and political climate forces you to corral every belief on one polar end of an oversimplified spectrum? You are a pacifist or a warmonger, man or woman, attracted to only men or women, saver or spender, student or teacher, young or old. I personally feel like I'm constantly being offered choices that look like this. It's either all junk or all healthy. It's either this or that, risky or safe, comedy or drama, good or evil, nice or effective. And when we are forced to choose, one can see why it would be easy to make the choice that makes us feel safe and accepted. But what if I want both pizza and salad, right? Is there a way that I can have both, that we can have both? The psychologist Carl Jung referred to the rejected and neglected parts of us as the shadow aspect or the shadow self. 
Other prominent psychologists believed our shadows contain all the perverse, primitive, and unacceptable parts of us. They equated the idea of shadows and darkness with danger and negativity. However, Jung believed that the more our shadow is ignored and denied, the less embodied these worrisome parts of ourselves, the denser and more troublesome they can become. He believed unintegrated shadows could lead to self-destructive and addictive behaviors. He considered the integration of the shadow self to be the seat of creativity, the space where possibility unfolds and our inner yearnings are drawn out. Our rejected parts are where new life lives. These ideas of duality, shadow, and paradox have been explored in many mediums. In the story of Jekyll and Hyde, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, I saw that of the two natures that contended in my field of consciousness, even if I could rightly be said to be either, it was only because I was radically both. And the Danish physicist, Niel Bohr's, had this to say about seemingly contradictory conditions. How wonderful that we have met with a paradox. Now, we have some hope of making progress. I think it also gives us hope for making a fresh start. We can also turn to sacred texts for a look at this idea of having and being both. Last week, Reverend Lee mentioned parables in the Bible. So this week, I want to reference paradoxes in the Tao Te Ching. Lao Tzu writes about paradoxical unity in this way. Being and non-being produce each other. The difficult is born in the easy. Long is defined by short. The high by the low. Before and after go along with each other. Paradox is not handled simply as a charley horse that happens between the ears, as I've heard it described, but as a necessary tension where one makes the other true. How many of us were raised with walls between the sacred and the secular? I was conditioned to believe that the world is an unfortunate, corrupting, and dangerous place. And some churches teach that the godly can only interact with the world for the purpose of service or saving souls. But how many of you get a little positive charge when the worship leader announces there's going to be language that day? (laughs) Tell the truth. When you heard it today, did you get a little tingle? I know I do. My heart jumps for joy. Why? Because for me, this is the place where holy and holy shit come together. (laughs) I think that's what I love most about this place. It's a place for mashups. And mashups are that amazing thing that happens when you put two things together that you didn't think would go together. And when they collide, magic and synergy happen. In this community, we acknowledge that we are both sacred and world dwellers. And where you might hear wisdom from Mick Jagger and Dr. Martin Luther King quoted in the same day. 
We attend to both our heads and our hearts, and we yearn to be better attendants of paradox. About two years ago, Reverend Lee was ordained as a minister here. And during her ordination after party, I had the opportunity to eat and talk with some of Lee's friends from college. And they started reminiscing about the good old days of performing with Lee and missing the pleasure of listening to her beautiful singing voice. And I remember having this short but strange series of thoughts bubble up in my head. And it sounded something like this. Wait a minute. Ministerial intern turned ordained preacher Lee Paxula? Arlie? is a talented singer. And for a moment, it was difficult to integrate these two separate visions I had of Lee. But the stakes were pretty low, and so my shock was pretty short-lived. So I just moved forward, knowing that Lee had secret powers she could use in case a flu wipes out the band. (laughs) Do you remember how you felt when this guy, Al Franken, was running for Senate? I grew up watching him perform this Stuart Smalley bit on Saturday Night Live. And so when he announced, I thought for sure this had to be some sort of comedic stunt. He's now been in office for over eight years. He holds the record for the third most co-sponsored bills and ranks in the top quarter of senators most dedicated to governmental transparency. However, The mental and emotional Charlie Horse can hurt more when we are confronted by things we thought might never change. I sense some of this resistance surrounding Reverend Ken's return to school in pursuit of a Master's of Social Work. For those new to Wellsprings, Ken's scholastics might just be an interesting tidbit. It's what you've always known about him. But for some of us that have been here for a while, there is an investment and a commitment to our image of Ken. He can't be a preacher and a student, a minister and a social worker. I think there is some part of us that says he can be either or. He can't be both. And I think it's okay to allow these feelings and maybe even talk with him about it. Allowing ourselves to begin opening to these places we've become rigid, frustrated, and stuck takes a special kind of perspective. One of the core values here at Wellsprings is living with integrity. And we express it this way. We are a community of deep listening, possessing the humility and vulnerability necessary so we're able to make positive change. We honestly evaluate where we are in the hope of courageously going where we are called to be. Trying on a new way of thinking is a process that begs for that humility and that vulnerability. As we reintroduce ourselves to a secret garden of feelings and parts of us that we have tried to ignore or destroy. And here's the thing. I think that process will be worth it. I can stand here and imagine what our hearts and homes workplaces and institutions might look like if we started shifting from either or to both and thinking. Imagine the compassion we could extend to our warm-hearted and perennially late friend, to our coworker who brings joy and laughter to the team, 
and whose desk looks like it needs an inspection by the Board of Health. Or to our child or significant other who is begging for help and can't seem to let us in. Imagine if our leadership in this country could work from a place of integration rather than destruction. What if we can be broken and brilliant? What if we can have the holy and the holy shit? After losing my mom earlier this year, I am learning that I can both grieve and grow. And a day like today helps me remember that. Living a mashup life, a life with both and, means we are not relegated to destroying those inconvenient, cagey, disowned, difficult parts of us. We have an opportunity, an opportunity to invite those parts that we've been keeping starved and hidden to the table for some pizza and salad and sit united in total awe of all of the possibilities on the horizon. Amen. May you live in blessing. Will you pray with me? God who can hold it all. God who knows of our failures, our yearnings, our brokenness and brilliance. And knows it is all sacred. Be with us today as we leave this place, having spent time with our hearts knit together in possibility. Grant us a willingness to see each other and our wild and precious lives with fresh and patient eyes. I offer this prayer and know that many here today brought prayers of their own. And so I say amen.